Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 420 for the 23rd of TVs in a regular year. There's a gymnast who I follow on Instagram named Stephanie Millinger, who is absolutely incredible. She is definitely hands down the person I love following the most on Instagram. Uh, Joe Rogan actually follows her. He discovered her and he was just amazed and, uh, at how incredible she is. She's I call her a gymnast, but she's really, uh, you know, she's a contortionist, a hand balancer, a daredevil. She'll do these like crazy tricks where she's balancing uh, in a handstand on like the tip of a very, very, very narrow cliff. But she's also just really, really strong. She's like had done, had a few, I think she beat the world record for like the world's longest plank, maybe. Uh, And she'll do like crazy things with weights and stuff like that. Like just really incredible stuff. and. Something that's interesting to me about this is I often will look at the comments on uh, on her posts and people will often say things like, wow, you are so talented. Wow, you are so flexible. And for the few comments that she replies to, she obviously can't reply to all the comments. She always says the same thing. She always says, no, I'm not talented. She said, I work like crazy. I work. This is this is really hard work. And I can kind of sense the frustration in her voice even though she's very sweet and very nice about it. But I kind of, you know, I get it. And I've actually been following her for a number of years. I've seen her progress over the years. uh, And she really, she works like crazy. Like she, her whole life is this. She's self-taught and she just trains for hours and hours and hours on end. And she pushes herself to the utmost extreme. I know somebody else like this. There was a girl who used to be in a yoga class with me and she was, you know, by far the most advanced person in that yoga class. Uh, also, she's become a Mongolian contortionist now. I, I follow her as well on Instagram. And, uh, but she did not start out like that. I saw her right in the beginning when she was just on the same level as everybody else. Uh, and she didn't really have much of a bigger background than anybody else, but she just really worked at it. She pushed herself. Like if you would see her face in class, she, she was pushing herself. She was straining herself. So what does all this have to do with the Tanya? So I will get there. But before we get there, I want to contrast this with another story of another girl who once showed up at my contortion, my contortion teacher's class. So yes, I take contortion classes as well. I'm nowhere near the level of Stephanie Millinger, but it's something you know to aspire to. It's something to be inspired by. So I wasn't actually in class when this happened, but my teacher told me about this. And my teacher said that this girl showed up. Uh, she was like, I think in her teens, maybe around like 14, 15 years old. She'd never been to a contortion class in her entire life. She didn't even have any background in gymnastics or anything, but she was naturally flexible and she was able to do things on a much higher level than anybody else in the class who had been 
going there for years. She, in certain ways, was more flexible than the teacher, which the teacher got actually a little bit like jealous of her, you know, like what is up with this girl? Like she just shows up and she's able to do all these things naturally. Like what's up with that? Um, so, I mean, as the course of the class went on, then like the teacher came to real, my teacher came to realize that like, okay, while she may be really, really flexible, she's lacking in stability and lacking in some strength. So there were definitely things that she could learn and that she needs to learn in order to progress, in order to not get injured, you know, things like that. But yet we do see that there's a really, there's a contrast there between people who naturally have it and people who don't, you know? I titled this episode, I woke up like this, right? It's like, did you wake up this way or did you work at it? How much work and effort did you have to put in to get to where you are? So it's interesting because like in our society, we tend to kind of, um, you know, praise natural talent, like child, child prodigy or somebody has a really good voice. It's like, wow, you're so talented. That's so beautiful. You know, things like that. But like, it's kind of a shame in a way because talent, like raw natural talent, isn't it while it's beautiful, while it's something really, there's something definitely very like sparkly about it. It's, it comes naturally to the person. They didn't work at it at all versus somebody who works really, 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 really hard, even if the end result isn't going to look as amazing. I mean, who deserves the greater praise? You know, it's kind of like the typical example of like, if you have a classroom and you have two students in the classroom and one of them, and, and they both get E's, but one of them just happens to have this naturally really high IQ and the other one has a low IQ and a learning disability and a lot of issues at home and things like that. But yet they worked like crazy to get that A. Who deserves the bigger praise, right? I mean, A's are good no matter, regardless, no matter what. But maybe that more advanced kid should be given bigger challenges. You know, like maybe they're not excelling as much as they could be and not excelling as much as this other student is necessarily, even if it doesn't look like that on the outside. So this is the topic of today's Tanya, believe it or not, not necessarily in terms of contortion or school or things like that, but in terms of our service of God and in terms of what is considered working, what is considered, at what point is a, is a person considered to be somebody who is a worker for God? And what this whole discussion is going to be centered around is a certain a verse in Malachi chapter 3 verse 18 where it discusses the difference between a righteous man and a wicked man and then there's and then it goes on to discuss the difference between one who serves God and one who does not serve God and while at first glance the verse seems to be implying that the righteous person is the one who serves God and the wicked wicked person is the one who does not serve God on second glance, that, that kind of sounds like it's redundant, that, that, that the verse is being redundant, if that's the case. I mean, maybe it's just being poetic there. But what the altar is going to propose is that, in fact, there's a deeper message going on. And in fact, that's the, the verse is not actually coming to teach us that a righteous person is one who serves God and a wicked person is one who does not serve God. In fact, we're going to get into a much deeper discussion about what service is in general. What does it mean to serve God? What is this all about? And where does this fall into in terms of the categories of someone who's righteous, someone who's wicked, and our favorite category of all, the category of the Benoni, the intermediate man who this book was written for. So for context, today we're going to be beginning a new chapter, chapter 15 of Likutamar. And the altar rabbi begins and he says that he's going to come to understand this verse from Malachi. So I'm going to read to you the entire verse now and then I'll translate it into English. 
So the verse reads, Veshavtam ureitem ben tzadik l'rasha, ben oved elokim, l'asher lo avado. So the translation for that is, and you will return and see the difference between the righteous man and the wicked one, between one who serves God and he who serves him not. Right? So on first glance, then it sounds like, you know, that the verse is saying that you should see the difference between a tzaddik and a rasha. What's the difference between a tzaddik and a rasha? A tzaddik is somebody who serves God and a rasha is somebody who does not serve God. Um, but the Gemara actually brings up a question about this. Um, this is in Masechet Chagiga, page 9b that challenges this assumption and says that this doesn't really make sense because um, it's kind of obvious. Like when we say somebody who's wicked, okay, what does a wicked person mean in the context of, of Judaism, of Jewish thought? Somebody who doesn't serve God, right? And somebody who's righteous, okay, yeah, he serves God. Like, what, like why do we have to say this, right? So the Gemara explains that, in fact, this is not what the verse is coming to teach us. The verse is telling us that there are righteous people. There's a righteous man. There's a wicked person, a w- wicked man. And then this is a new category. This is people who serve God, one who serves God and one who does not serve God. And the Gemara says that these two categories are actually both under the category of somebody who's righteous. These are not wicked people. And what we're going to learn in today's Tanya is what the difference is then. If neither the one who serves God nor the one who does not serve God are not wicked, what does this mean? What does it mean to be somebody who serves God? So the Altarba takes like a, a different kind of look at this. And he says that um, we can actually say that there's a dif- difference between one who serves God, an Oved Elohim in Hebrew, and a tzaddik. So what's the difference? So Oved Elohim, one who serves God. So this is, this is a, a present tense um, kind of phrase, like you're serving God, you're actively serving God. This is, this is connoting somebody who is actively engaged in service, actively working, doing that, right? Which means that this is somebody who is actively engaged in the war with the Yetzirah, with the evil inclination to be able to remember, as we discussed in the Tanya previously, this idea of like that trying to, that we're in constant war within ourselves. There's this internal battle going on between our two impulses, our good impulse and our negative impulse. And, um, and, we're, and so the war is like that we're trying to, the war for God is like we're trying to eradicate our negative impulse from the quote unquote small city, which is the body, so that it won't actually um, get vested within the organs of the body. So this is a very intense war and this is a very intense fight, right? And this is the fight, as we described, of the Benoni, right? It's not the fight of the Tzadik. So the Tzadik doesn't have this fight because the tzaddik actually won the war already. There's no more war going on in that way. So what? So in that case, if we say so, now we can come to understand according to the altar rabbit that when we say the oved elokim, one who is serving God, like actively serving God, this is somebody who is actively involved in the in the war. This is the benoni. So then, what's the tzaddik in that case? So how how would we call the tzaddik? So the tzaddik says that the tzaddik. We call an Eved Hashem. This is a servant of God. So it's more of a descriptive term, you know? So uh, just like we would say somebody who's like a wise person or a king, that it's like they already became wise or they already became a king. So it's like, you know, it's, there's a difference between somebody who's like involved in wisdom and somebody who is embodies wisdom. That's sort of the difference is that the Benoni is somebody who's involved in the service of God and the Tzadik is somebody who... Uh, who embodies being a servant of God. So it's a different thing because the, as mentioned, the tzaddik has finished the work. They've done the, the war. They've won the war to the point that the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination is totally gone within them. And it's described as being that there, there's, um, 
that his heart is, um, is void within him, as we described, meaning to say that he no longer has these passions, these impulses for things that are against God's will. So that's one way of understanding the difference between, um, between the tzaddik and the, and the benini in terms of this idea of being a servant of God. So we said, again, to reiterate, that the benini is considered to be an ovedorokim, meaning somebody who is serving God, versus a tzaddik is an eved Hashem, a servant of God. So it's a subtle difference, but it is a difference. Now the altar goes on to describe, and to get a little bit more nuanced, and he says that even within the category of the benini, actually not all benonim can actually be considered to be ones who serve God, an oved elokim. He actually says that there's another category of a benini, which is one who is does not serve God. So again, now we can go back to that verse and we can see that when we talk about one who serves God and one who does not serve God, according to the Altar Rebbe, these are two categories of Benonim. This is not a description of a tzaddik and a rasha or even a description between a tzaddik and a Benoni. It's this, a description or a Benoni and a rasha. It's a description between two categories of Benonim. So how, what does this mean? How could you be somebody who doesn't serve God, but yet you're not a wicked person. Like it's, that seems to imply someone who's wicked, right? You don't serve God. So what are you? You're a wicked person. So how could this be? So the altar gives a description. He says, let's say there, there's a person who never ever in their whole life, they never committed any sin, even a very small sin. And they also did all the mitzvahs that they could have done. Um, like even, and they even learned Torah. So they're, and they never stopped speaking Torah. So they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're living their life according to how you're supposed to live your life. They're doing all the right things. Um, the only thing is, what's, what's going on? Why can we not call such a person one who serves God? Because they're not engaged in active warfare with the Yetzirah, with, the, with their impulses in order to win it over uh, and to have the godly soul uh, rule over the heart, as we described above. Why? Because... It, the Yetzirah in these, these kind of people is not that strong. It's not rising up against them. And so then they don't need to have this war against them. So it's not like a tzaddik, somebody who they've won the war against them and they've really eradicated the evil. For these kind of people, they actually, they just, they're not very passionate kind of people is the easiest way to describe it. Um, so for example, it could be that, or at least they're not passionate in, uh, towards, they don't have impulses. They don't have the same struggles that a lot of other people have for, you know, being drawn to the passions of the world, we could call it. So for example, you could have the type of person who by nature likes to study and it's because their temperament is more subdued. The ultra calls it like a marash chora, which is like a dark kind of dis disposition in a way, like maybe they're more like of an introverted kind of person. Um, or let's say somebody who doesn't really have, they don't, they don't have a strong desire for women, you know, speaking of a man. So it's like they don't, their sexual uh, impulses are, are low um, because they're just, that's just their nature. They're not like, again, they're not heated by nature. And so too, with all of the different desires of the world, they don't have this, um, that this passion, you know, so they're not foodies. They're not, you know, some people get really excited about food. These kind of people, like they just, it doesn't do anything for them. Maybe their palates aren't so developed or something like that, you know? So thus, for these kind of people, they don't have to take a whole bunch of time to like sit and meditate upon the greatness of God and, you know, um, give birth in their minds to and in their, uh, in their das, like their, their comprehension and in their knowledge, like um, 
to really integrate this knowledge into them to be, be able to birth a sense of fear of God in their minds um, in order to protect them from doing anything that's against the will of God or to arouse this feeling of love in their heart to, to um, inspire them to keep the mitzvahs, like keeping Torah and things like that. Uh, they don't. They don't need this. They naturally are going to keep Torah because they're. You know, they don't have these uh, evil. The same level of evil inclination that a lot of other people will do. So for these kind of people, in order to keep Torah and mitzvahs, uh, it's it's enough for them to just like tap into the innate love that that's hidden in all Jewish people. That's um, because all Jewish people are called Ohaveshmo, those who love God's name, and so it's so they're they're, they just, they don't have to work for it, basically. They were born this way, quote unquote, you know? And this is why they're not called one who serves at all. So this is, can be kind of likened to that girl that walks into the contortion class for the first time. Everyone else is struggling, you know, trying to get their splits, their backbends, whatever. And she's like, I don't get it. It's so easy. You know, I just do this and there you go. These kind of people, like they don't get the temptations of the world. They're not drawn to all kinds of you know, all the vices of the world, they don't, they're not tempted by them. So some people are like that. That's just their nature, right? And just like some people have a nature to be flexible or to be really smart in school or whatever, then we all as Jews have a nature. We were all born with an inheritance of this love of God that we all have. Um, and this, this is an inheritance that was given to us. So we can't call that work. That's something that we just like, it's, it's our inheritance that we were born with, right? So these kind of people, basically in summation, just, uh, to explain what the altar is saying is that they are not, they cannot be called ones who serve God because they're not really working. They're not in Hebrew. The word serve is Oved, which is the same word as, as work. So the, where's the work? It's like, they're just, okay, they're doing it because it's like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know? Um, but then the altar concludes here and he, he goes even further than this. And he puts an even bigger stringency on this term of one who serves God. And we're going to get into it even further tomorrow where we see like just how high the standard is that the altar Rebbe gives to one who wants to be called one who serves God. So he says, even somebody who it's not necessarily their nature to study a lot. So let's say they don't have that nature. They're not like this like introverted type, you know, by nature, but yet they've accustomed themselves to be like this. So uh, they really, they've developed really good habits, which is really great. And now it's become a habit for them. Now they, this is their habit. This is what they do. They wake up every morning, they study, you know, and they do this. So um, even for these kind of people, now they don't need, it's not a whole process. It's like, you know, when you, the, the more you do it, like habit becomes you kind of thing. I'm very into this in general, that the more you have habits, the more they really just become who you are. But so for these kind of people, they don't have to go through this whole, you know, it's back to the flexibility class example. It's like once I, I've been doing this for a while. so. The more I do my contortion class, yes, it's a slow process, but when you practice it day after day after day after day, certain things become habitual and certain things do become kind of second nature to you and, um, and don't require that same level of work. So, so too, in this case, in the case of one who has really accustomed themselves to learning Torah on a regular basis, then, uh, then they, don't, they, they don't need to arouse this like next level of love of God through deep meditation and contemplation, all that stuff. They can also just tap into the hidden love of God, and that's that's enough for them. Um, and so these kind of people also would not be considered to be those who serve God unless they start learning more than what is habitual to them. So that's an intense message, and we're going to continue with this message tomorrow when we'll see that the ultra really um, really describes how work only 
is only there when there's challenge, you know, and this is a really deep lesson that can be applied to so many, but, you know, specifically, we're going to focus on it in terms of serving God, that if you really want to grow, if you really want to progress, then while it's great to have habits, you need to constantly be moving forward. You can't stay stagnant. You can't stay in the same place. Um, while, you know, it's great to have good habits and not have negative habits, and that's definitely a good level to start at, but you need to constantly be improving. You need to constantly pushing, be pushing yourself um, if, if you want to call it work, if you want to call it um, service. And in this case, we're talking about service of God. So that's it for today. And we'll continue along these lines tomorrow. And I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.